straight up proposes to her. Like, I was hoping someday you'd think you'd be you'd become my wife. And she was like, oh, like, um, okay, dude. Hey, get in here. Dallas is about to start. Welcome to the Ewing Barbecue, where we remember that you like licorice. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Mary. And I'm Sarah. <laughs> you, you left me as a five-year-old. You abandoned me. It's Josh here. <laughs> I'm Melanie, and I'm. Am I the only one that thinks Cliff was justified? Oh, like, damn! One hundred percent, he was <laughs> justified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> acting. I yeah, it was really sweet, and it, it showed his vulnerable side. Vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I can't wait to talk about it. Yes, 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 yes. I have a lot of shit to fucking say about this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first, I would like to thank our Patreon members. I would like to thank Brendan Philuck, Captain America, Sheen Pye, Laura Bernheim, Anita Wren, and Kirsten Carlano. Thank you very much. They went to Patreon.com and picked a tier and um, are following us for some extra special benefits. Content. Is that what you call it? Content? Whatever. That sounds sexual, Mary. Oh. Well, <laughs> depending on your level. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, we did release a new chapter of the book this week. Um, more coming. A few few birthdays this week. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Howard Keel was born in 1919 on April 13th, so he would be 103. Wow. Stephanie Blackmore also shares that birthday. She plays uh, Serena. She was born 1948, so 74. April 14th would be Beamskin Rug birthday. <laughs> Randolph yes. Powell. That's yeah, nice. Turning 72. That, that Beamskin Rug is 72 years fresh. I bet he doesn't have that Beamskin Rug anymore, but he's a bald motherfucker now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. And Lois Childs, Miss Moonraker herself, uh, April 15th, born in 1947, so she would be is 75. Wow. Oh, I feel so old. And mm. if you're in Dallas this weekend, the Easter Bunny is there at South Fork Ranch. Oh. For which- the uh, tra- trade days this weekend, which are the third weekend of every month at South Fork, uh, it was posted online apparently that last episode when Jim Davis was written out the original intention was that he and Ellie were getting divorced in that episode and they were writing Jim Davis off the show through divorce but because he was too sick to film anymore they got them back together and sent them on the second honeymoon which we obviously like better I'm going to say that I don't completely buy that because, like, the whole thing. Like, I had heard that they were going to have Ellie and Jack divorce, but they, the people on the show said that they never planned for him to leave as as long as they could. So they weren't planning on writing him, him out. And, and they were, in fact, giving him scripts in the hospital for the next season and telling him where his character would potentially go in the storyline. So... I don't know if that is completely true. They may have written him out to the extent where reduce his workload so that he could take time off to 
Well, sure, Jim, sure, sure. So he could go off like he's upset and leaves for a right. while. And so that Jim could you know, devote his time to his treatment and getting well and hopefully then swing around and bring him back into the fold and using the divorces are just a way to get him off camera for a while so that he could deal right. with his health issues. And I, I could see that being the case. Sure, but, um, sure, I could see that too. I just... Well, because I heard that they were even thinking about, like, showing him in the credits forever. Like, never taking him out of the credits, which they decided against eventually. But, like, they had a hard time taking him out of the credits. Which, after yeah. this season. Uh, or, yeah. yeah. Whenever, yeah. Speaking of that, don't you, I don't want to go off too far, but don't you think there's some people that really were never on the credits that may have should have been on the opening credits? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know, Aud- I Audrey really Landers, think- for one. Yeah. yeah. I, and I just realized that in my older age, like when I, was, I didn't realize it, but like, and I do know you, you know, they're now critical order. I get it. Blah, blah, blah. That's great. But I was like, there's so many people that weren't on the credits that were mm-hmm. on the bit of it. I mean, she's one of them. She's the main one. I was thinking of it acting, but I'll do anders, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, shall we come full circle? Should we we shall come full circle. Uh, so yeah, tonight we're talking about season four, episode twenty-two, episode seventy-six of the series, full circle. Do you have a reservation for Shepherd? Kristen Shepherd. These documents will prove that there is a direct cause and effect link between the overthrow of a legitimate government in a foreign country. And J.R. Ewing of Dallas, Texas. Everything that Daddy's built will be destroyed. Nothing is going to happen, Bobby. Believe me, nothing's going to happen. Mrs. Ewing. It was written by Arthur Bernard Lewis, directed by Michael Priest, and aired April 17th, 1981. I like how right now we're kind of right on almost to the day. Like, we're recording almost to the day of, like, when these aired. So mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, yeah. And Michael Priest may be joining us at some point in the future with That'd be uh, so cool. Sheree Wilson and Kathy Podwell. So we're working on, I'm working with them to schedule something at some point. So I stay really, tuned really, for more details. I really want to get Donna on here. Yeah. By the way, I want to mention I'm actually drinking JR mm-hmm. Bourbon tonight. You are. Yeah, I broke it open, and I I was like, oh. what should I drink, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I think I'm going to have some bourbon on the rocks. Mm. Damn. Yeah. So Tuesday always, night. Always, always Tuesday a good choice. Tuesday night, yeah. This episode was number one for the week. Of course what? They used a trip to Paris to explain Jim Davis's absence, and he also would take <laughs> other trips coming up in the future, so... Watch for uh, Jock Ewing to get his passport punched uh, around the world a little bit here. Or a different... and I, know this, I know this will come up later, but did you realize that when they're out of the country, they think they must talk extremely loud when they call in? I know. Help. I know. And well, I've never seen it before, but tonight she's like, child, this is mama. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I know. I know. Well, your vo- her voice has to carry across the Atlantic Ocean, you know. Cause she's... Holy fuck. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. Ken Kershaw's favorite scene ever was in this episode, which is known as the licorice scene, which we were going to discuss. I, I agree. Yep. We had a lot to say about the licorice scene. Yeah. And we had a reference to a 
pass a character in this episode that came through in a postcard. Luke Mittens. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that just happened to come about in all the midst of... Certain things going on. Yeah. Yeah. That will um, be the last mention of... That's what I was wondering. Probably, yeah, I can see that being the last one. Yeah. He's just a a poor plot device. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, so we start on an establishing shot of South Fork, and then we move inside to uh, Sue Ellen and John Ross's nursery. Playing with his phone. Yeah. And then JR walks in. (laughs) He's like, hey, we should talk. I do not care to discuss my sister's phone call in front of my child. Her child. Right. Her child. Yeah. He, can barely hold, he can barely hold a spoon. He doesn't understand. <laughs> I know. Well, like, that's what I said. John Ross may not understand the words, but he understands the tone. So if you guys are sitting there snapping at each other. That's true. The, the kid's going to get anxious. Yeah. Yes. He's he already had to endure alcoholism through the womb because of his mother's drinking. I mean, what, what you know, now he's going to have to put up with his parents snippety tones uh, Oh my god, nursery? he's going to have to put up with that for the rest of his life. <laughs> so <Florida. laughs> Well, I wonder how he's going to turn out. Yeah. Especially JR. JR is a sniveling bitch. He really is. <laughs> sniveling bitch. Sniveling bitch, you. He is. He bitches and he complains about everything. He really does. God. Oh my god. That's one thing I've noticed. He's like, oh, it's like, shut up. I know. I know. Are, are, are him and Mitch related? <laughs> oh my god. Oh right. my god. Mitch, yes. Mitch the bitch. Mitch the bitch. Jesus. Mitch, change your last name to Ewing and just shut the fuck up already. <sighs> right? Change your last oh name. God. Yeah, we, we've got things to say about him later. Oh god. boy. Mm-hmm. All these faces he makes. Oh, he's so cute, but I'm still going to punch it. Anyway. <laughs> then we cut to the. Th- Building number 3470 in downtown Dallas, which apparently is a medical building of sorts. Right, because Pam is walking out with her mom. I found this a weird scene. So, like, I guess, so now we find out Pam has gone to the doctor, and she does find out she can't have kids. So she literally, her mom took her to one appointment. She couldn't have had any real extensive tests done. And they're just like, well, base, like, sorry. We don't hear, yeah, sorry, you can't, you probably can't have kids. Uh, I she just, said she put together a history. Right. Or is which that what is she like, was telling Bobby lately, but it's like, mm, a history of having two miscarriages, like, and mostly, like, since they were both accidents. I was like, they were accidents. He fell off a loft and a horse. Right. Like, he, like, oh, cramp. I don't know, baby. I'm having this well, and One of them is caused by a, a, a uh, nope rope. Exactly. A Mr. No Shoulders. A danger noodle. Yeah. And Bobby brings that up. Does, doesn't Bobby bring yeah, that up? Yeah, he does bring it up later. Yeah, when they, she and she's tells like, him. well, she was like, well, she doesn't think I would have been able to carry them anyway. And it's like, how the hell do you know? Like, you had a traumatic accident both times. Right. Are we, are we to assume <laughs> that this, that there were... Prior appointments. Shoddy medical practices in Dallas back then. Are we to yeah. assume that there were previous medical appointments in this building, and this was just the that were taking place off camera, and this was just the encapsulation well, point of it? I don't know because, like, the last episode where she asked her mom to go to the doctor with her because she promised her she'd go. 
Mm. And Rebecca said, why don't you go? And then she went. And then she said, she said, oh, would you come with me? And then she's like, of course I would. So I don't think she's going to go to like every single appointment with her. So I'm going to assume that she just had this one appointment. And how long was this? How long was this appointment? We don't know how long it was. It was probably like an hour. And they're like, sorry, you're infertile. It just seems sus to me. It just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, but how many times have we, and this is, I know this is the world of TV and it's TV in 1981 and these are rich ass TV characters, but we've seen even people with all the money in the world still get shoddy ass medical care. You guys know what happened to Fran Drescher 20 years ago, right? No. Refresh. Seven, seven doctors, seven doctors before she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Oh shit. Oh, I didn't know she had ovarian cancer. It is. Seven. Seven doctors. And she had money. This was between New York and Los Angeles. Even in the world of TV, there are clinicians who don't investigate. They just don't care. Right. So it's like, maybe you should get a second opinion. But whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's taking the the road with one opinion. Yep. And then she's just like, well, I probably can't. So she just gives up. Let's go. Defeatist. Yeah, and then then we cut to the bitch. Oh my god, which Mitch. one? Oh. Mitch. <laughs> now, which one? <laughs> Mitch, couldn't you be a little supportive of your wife in her work? I mean, she's trying to support you in your studies. Oh, like, like even like, slightly. I don't even fake it because you're the one that made her get the thing to have the maid. She got the maid. She's contributed to the family, and now you don't like what she's doing because it's taken her away from you and your attention. It is so frustrating. Fake it. Yes. Ju- fake it, just like Frank Drebin did if with all those orgasms. Him, she said, if you want me to cancel the trip, I will do it right now. And he was like, you have to do that or something. and Or make that decision. Don't do that. Fight for your woman. Tell her you don't want to go, you puss. Pull your head out of your rosy red rectum and speak up. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Rich, 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 he, his name should be Richard Cranium, aka Dickhead. Like just uh, the faces that he gives in this, where he's just sitting there and he has like the big eyes, and he's just being all like, like super passive and pouty. He's trying to be the man's man. Like have my dinner ready at five. He's that man. I I want to drag you back to the cave, you know, bare knuckles and all by the hair and blah blah blah. <laughs> Yeah, she's just, like, trying to rationalize with him again about the whole thing. Like, you said nothing, whatever. And he's just, like, he's just not going to hear it ever. Not ever. It's part of her job. She's doing a personal appearance on behalf of the magazine that she is representing. Shut up, Mitch. Let your woman do. And she's getting paid for it. Right. She's not taking you money. She's earning money by working. Yeah, I got, I got so much more to say about this in two more scenes, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when yes. nurse when nurse Shirley Daniels is coming out of the uh, out of the room mm-hmm. there. So then Cliff gets yeah. Talani donuts. I don't know what those are, but they look I don't either, but do you know how it like started on that box? It's like it was it was like a please put us in the show. That was the brand of donut? No, but it like focused on the box. Like it was like almost like it, 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 it has to be a donut place. In uh, how did you spell that? It's a T A L A N I. 
Have has anyone Googled it yet? I'm going to Google it. T A L A N I I. Because it's like they've never done that. It looks like Melanie's Googling it, unless she's doing something else. Yeah, a local donut place just like popped up here. And oh, it says the five best donuts in Dallas. Hang on a second. See, we have to go there. Glazed Donut Works, Momos. Cliff goes there. They can't be too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> That's really weird because Wait, he, I don't see anything about Talani Donuts, but it brought up like donut shops in Dallas. Oh. Maybe it's an old so donut strange. place. A defunct Talani's? company? Maybe maybe it was affiliated with the Hot Biscuit. Maybe Quite so. possibly. <laughs> maybe their future was oh. as bright as the Hot Biscuit. Maybe. Is it in Fort Worth? Maybe. Wait a second. They have nice glazed donuts and nice crawlers. Mm. Cliff is serving that to Dave. Now I want to. Stratton. We have to specify Stratton because there's also Dave Culver that's referenced in this episode. Oh, that's true. There are two Dave's referenced. So, yes, Dave Stratton is over. Yes. And um, so he tells Cliff that um, there's evidence being gathered that connects JR to the counter revolution. And yeah, it could never result, let them trace it back to you, dude. It could result in a nice, cushy executive office position at uh, Westar for Cliff. Because Westar and Cliff have a mutual goal right now, and that is to destroy J.R. Ewing. The ruination, ruination. I like that word, ruination of J.R. But you should never ever trust Jeremy Wendell either. So. No. So I'm not sure Wycliffe thinks anything about this at all. There was an old song from like the early 70s called Snake in the Grass, and that seems to fit Jeremy Wendell's personality. Mm. He is a snake in the grass. Now I want a donut. <laughs> he is in the snake in the grass, but I like Jeremy because he's just donut. he's such a like a snarky bitch. I love it. He is, he is a snarky bitch. He is a snarky bitch. He's all business, except in this episode, he did talk about the weather um, theater and the Dallas Cowboys, apparently, with Leslie Stewart. I wonder how he is in the sack. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. He, he seems like he's there for him and nobody else. He, he, he seems like he would be a very selfish lover and would not care about his partner. I believe up in, I believe in Massachusetts there, there was a name for those. They were called Minutemen. I still think... I see Jeremy, and I still think that he's a bottom. I think he likes respect. <laughs> oh, I still want to get him together with Patricia Shepard because she likes still, that. She likes that kinky stuff. I think yeah. he's he pays a dominatrix. That that's uh, my story, and I'm sticking to oh, it. Okay, that makes sense. I do. I think yeah, I can pains, leather, slapping. I can see that too. He wants to be owned. Stiletto in your back. He wants her to tell him what to do. Because he's so powerful, like he thinks he's so powerful at Westar, and so then he's like, he needs to be punished. Make me lick your shoes, or whatever. <laughs> so, Sue Ellen is feeding John Ross some is it peanut butter and jelly and grapes, and he's trying to eat it with um, a spoon. And grapes. Grapes. Gus, I know. Again, do not feed a toddler grapes. And we had 2,000 babies, and we still know that. When my niece was one year old, she was I had her for the weekend, and she was eating pieces of apple, and she started to choke. And I stuck the finger down the throat with just very casually, pulled, pulled the thing out, but I scratched her throat, and that caused her to a little bleeding, and she threw up on me. Well, but, it's better than dying. <laughs> right. Well, for a little pro-parenting tip is never give a little kid – whole grapes like if you're gonna you have to cut them into little tiny pieces or, or hot dogs 
It's the perfect size to like swallow and then get stuck in your throat and then not move. So that like kids die all the time from grapes. It's a dangerous Danger noodle. Any little kid has to have little, little tiny bites. Like, like because they have a little mouth. You need like a a quarter of your pinky. They need to be that small. Not only that, some kids don't chew. Like Hayden would chew and smack awful. Anything would just chew swallowing. That's where he got Mm -hmm. it. You know, like, and I do the same thing. I don't chew my food away. Back to the nursery. Yeah, so they're feeding John Ross inappropriate food, and um, Pam walks in. She's tired. She came home after doing errands to do some work, and she's she's mm-hmm. off. She's off. So Pam just asks her, like, hey, can – she's like, no, I'm fine, da, 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 da. But I was wondering if you let me feed John Ross, and she's like, yeah, yeah, totally. Um you can see Pam starting to attach to another child because she knows she can't have her own or she's given up. Right. Beginning of the after, a, after a five-minute doctor's appointment. And then Sue Ellen's trying to help here, but not knowing what Pam's issue is, right. she, she ain't helping. No, she's making it worse, no. but she doesn't know. She doesn't know, no. She's just basically like, you should keep trying to have a kid because, like, if it wasn't for John Ross, I would have left JR last night. So... And not only that, Sue Ellen didn't think she could have kids for a decade. Right, right. Well, that's because your husband was eating his sperm everywhere else. (laughs) True. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, your sperms get lazy after a while. If you're having sex with 10 people a week, I mean, you're not going to have a baby probably. JR is probably, unbeknownst to us all, the father of Dallas because he is probably – Drop so much seed everywhere else. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine a new season now? And it would just be like everybody getting their Ancestry.com DNA test back. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's just all, all these, John Ross took one and now he's just getting all these, like every day there's a new, like close relative. (laughs) I'll be damned. I'm not going to let those half breeds in here and take my birthright. (laughs) It may or may not happen later. But, yeah, uh, that was interesting. Sue Ellen tells Pam about how she and JR were close, and then it was over, and she almost left him that last night if it wasn't for little John Ross, who's not little John anymore. Well, it was funny because she was trying to get her some, and then that phone call came, and it came all, like, rushing back to her. Like, this is why we're not together anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's oh. right. Kristen called from California. <laughs> California. Does she tell Pam about Kristen calling? I can't remember. No. I don't think she does. Okay. She doesn't say what the reason I was. She, just said that, she said that the moment was over. Interesting timing, this whole thing. So then we cut to Jeremy and Leslie having lunch. In a very plant-filled restaurant. Yeah. That whole, that whole scene. Of, that, there, there were, I thought they were eating in the middle of like a, a jungle because there were like plants everywhere. I don't know. There's lots of oxygen there, I guess. My favorite line in this scene is, J.R. Ewing can be trying. <laughs> New shit? Like, oh, really? Yeah, huh. We already knew that. No. What, are we talking, they talking about the same person? No. Major Nelson? No. <laughs> and Jeremy's a straight shooter. He just he just, just directly asks her about the counter-revolution. He's like, you were talking to him at that time. So uh, what about that? And yeah. don't we drink when she says, didn't she say, was it? Yeah, she said it in the lunch, and then she said it again, I think, at JR's office about, 
West Derby in the eighth largest. Oh, yeah, he doesn't say it here, but they. He doesn't say it here. It comes up. up, It comes up later. Yeah, I heard it from somebody else. From somebody else. Okay. Which means we have to drink later again. Right. Uh, And then she, she, I, I think she plays this really smart though, because. She she's so diplomatic. She says, "I want to assure you that any conversation we have is private, um, as private as any conversation I have with Ewing Oil, or any other of my clients, or any other." Yeah, of my yeah clients. that's it. That's another thing she said. She said that in another episode. She says that all the time. She's showing her she's showing her business acumen here. Right. She she really is. She's smooth. And Jeremy has to be like, mm, "Yeah, okay, good point. I get you." And um, he can't give her shit for that. And then she leaves for her next appointment. She leaves for her next appointment. Which, which is it. probably her ex-husband, so they can uh, buff, buff the bedpost a little bit. Maybe. maybe. Um, then we cut to Ray, and he's businessing with Punk Anderson and some other dudes. Bo uh, Kenny and Mr. Hernandez. Okay, I love Ray, but he looks so awkward. Like, he's almost like he's scared. Like, he's like the, the newbie at the table. Right. A fish out of water? Yeah, I don't think he doesn't know what he's doing. I think he just, I think he's very, very, like, protected right now. He's scared he's going to mess up, and he's going to disappoint, like, Jock and JR. Because he's without Jock right now. He's, like, on his own for the first time, and he's trying not to mess up. He's swinging in the wind, as it were, trying to hold his own. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, um... They're talking about um, apartments and family units and bash and the whole Lubbock project. And it's uh, with a guy named miss, Mr. Hernandez. And then Donna walks in, which I'm just floored by because I would never, ever. And maybe that's my stupid feminine Southern mom. I would never walk into the middle of my husband's business meeting. Right. But it's also like, she couldn't text him. Like she had to leave. Yeah, like okay, she didn't true. have time and she couldn't text him. She probably was like, not going to call she may him. She had been on her way to the airport. Yeah. That's what it seemed like to me. Okay. Like she was on texting her way. Didn't exist just, back then. Right. Te- texting was a typewriter typing the text in a book. Right. So she was just like, Hey, sorry, I don't want to intrude, but you know, I have a, yeah, I have to tell you this. That makes sense. Okay. I passed a Donna on that one, but I was really like, Oh my God. She's going to uh, Washington to see Dave Culver, who had called uh, to ask her to come up. I wonder what that's all about. Right. Yeah. Da-da. Is that an excuse to remove Donna from the scene so that Ray is even more on his own? Yeah, I mean, I kind of think that. Maybe. I don't know. Is that why the writers wrote that in there, to just kind of He's like literally- take, take, take Ray's support system away, leave him on his own to make these decisions by himself? Maybe. Oh boy, Ray! That's not Ray. Usually, Ray's best moments. <laughs> no. Da, da, da. It's, it seems like what they're doing as we're moving towards the end of the season is they're clearing the deck in a, so to speak, in a lot of ways. Jock and Ellie are gone. Donna's going off to Washington. They're just kind of moving people off. Yeah, I can see that. To set up something. And then uh, the next scene, Bobby comes home. At, it's late, and he walks into the dark house, and he finds Pam just sitting by herself in the living room in the dark. She didn't realize she was sitting in the dark? It's the start of the crazy. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Her, it is. When she came out of the doctor's office with her mother in the earlier episode, that is when I remember 
It is the start of the crazy. This is honestly when I remember, I mean, I remember the other stuff, but when I was watching it as a young person, this is when I started, because I remember something in a couple of episodes with Pam. That's the start of when I really mm-hmm. remember Dallas. Like when I started. Like, All we can say is stay tuned. So this is, <laughs> this is kind of the, the fulcrum for her swinging in a different swing. trajectory. Swing. 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 <laughs> So yeah, she's and she's drinking too, which is Pam doesn't usually drink that much. Like you never really see Pam drinking. No, she was like straight up scotch or something or bourbon in the cup. It was a glass of wine. I think I think Sue Ellen's body has jumped into hers. Well, she's not an alcoholic or anything yet, but she's she's been drinking because she's like, hey, can you refill this? And Bobby's just like, oh, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, first of all, you're in the dark, and then you want to refill. Wah, 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 right, he's like something's and, wrong, and she she's just like no. But he's asking if it's about Cliff and her her mother in that situation, mm. and then he says, "Oh, I've got something that will cheer you up." Here's a postcard from our little uh, Luke Middens, who was there when the nope rope caused her second miscarriage. And then there's where the, the wah, comes over because that's the, oh, I'm a, have a baby. Right. And Luke's doing well for himself now. He's in the 4-H club. His father let him raise a steer that won a blue ribbon at the county fair in Montana. And the father's working very hard. It was nice to see that they're doing, you know, turn themselves around. They're doing well. And um, Bobby wants to invite them for a visit. Uh, uh, Oh, Pam. Right. And then she just kind of loses it. He's just like, okay. Uh, I, I have some work to do. I have to leave. And she just walks out. And Bobby's just like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> it was interesting that, like I said, that he was there when, that kid was there when Pam miscarried her for the second time. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's like, and it also probably brought up a lot of emotion in her, not just the, the, that he loved that kid like a kid, but that that was like the weekend she had her, he was there when she had her. It all combines together. It's a perfect storm that's going to make a perfect storm. As Jim Steinman wrote that Celine Dion and Meatloaf saying, it's all coming back to me now. It's all coming back. <laughs> and I was like, no, don't do it. <laughs> um, yeah. and JR is consulting with Lincoln Hargrave. That name, Lincoln Hargrave. Or Mr. Griswold, as we know him, about divorcing Sue Ellen. That is him. But, so his... His whole thing, I feel like this is his thing with, if someone's like, here, I'm here to see you at a, a, a divorce, he's like, have you tried marriage counseling? Because I don't think you should get divorced. Does he not want the business? Or is he just really trying to make sure these people want to go through with a divorce? Just making sure he doesn't start, and then they're like, oh, we're going to go through counseling. He wants a shark that's going to get him custody. He's looking for a shark. He's looking for that pit bull that is going to win ace. And when they're discussing it and all that, and it usually sways in the the mother's. Unless know. she abandons the child. Yeah, but then, you know, he could have said anything, but he decides to say, she takes my child, I'm going to kill her. And I'm like, and I, you know what I said? I said, JR, for legal purposes, no, the fuck you are not. <laughs> like, do not say yeah, that. For legal in- purposes, though, Melanie, right? <laughs> Yeah, for, li- for li- you're sitting in front of your fucking lawyer. I'm going to kill her. We're like, really? Can I hear the bell? Do I hear a bell? Let's just say, okay, Jay, are you in? 
Dang, J.R. Ewing doesn't have the balls to kill anybody. If he, he actually thought of pulling it off, he'd hire somebody to do it. Like O.J. Simpson did. Now, he can't. However, I do not think. O.J. just fucking did it. I mean, really. I don't think he did it. I, I don't think he did it. But oh, yeah, he did. He did. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Yeah, he, he hired did. somebody. He hired somebody. Or he's covering for he his son. He just went there to watch his son. I no, don't that know. Is, that Another is story. Another story. Yeah, um, we'll get that. That is a story. There's a documentary. That is a theory. But that motherfucker. Yeah, Jr. You're a dumbass. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Um, and then, so then we just cut to Cliff uh, being given the fuse by Dave Stratton. That all he has to do is light. <laughs> it's it's the MacGuffin in the suit in the briefcase. And that is a big-ass briefcase, too. It's like a travel case. It's not even a slim businessman briefcase. It is a travel case. I'm taking a load of gold bricks with me. Somewhere. Yeah, it's a travel it, it is the briefcase that you also put your overnight clothes in when you're traveling because – Or your overnight clothes that you keep in your office because you have affairs a lot like JR. Or you can you hide the body in there. You know? <laughs> I'm JR Ewing. I can make a body appear at a church social without anybody knowing. The teeth and the hands. There's no fingerprints. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we might watch true crime. <laughs> so that, that was a quick scene. Then we cut to JR's office. JR is like super mad that she had lunch with Jeremy. Like jealous much? Yes. Because he knows that like Jeremy could get to her, you know? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he thinks. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Within one one epi- scene in one episode, Jeremy goes from being Jr.'s poker buddy at the condo to being a mortal enemy. Yep, to mm-hmm. one of the most untrustworthy people that he knows. I'm like, well, that must be really saying something, Jr. Because Jesus, mm-hmm. you played poker together at the condo for God's sakes. I mean, hot calling the kettle black. You and know. this is when JR tells us, you know, he's one of the eight largest <laughs> companies, oil companies in the world. Drink. Drink, drink Melanie, drink. Fuck. Glug, glug, glug. And JR does have that poker face as Lady Gaga sings about, carry my poker face. And um, she said, she brings up the fact that. Uh, Jeremy was disappointed about the merger of Ewing Oil not going through. And Jared said, Ewing Oil has never been up for. Yeah, yeah he's a liar for even insinuating that. Okay, but my he thing says is, it with is, such is, a straight face. My thing is, is, is she, I don't know her angle. Like, is she plotting them against each other right now? Like, I don't, I don't understand what she's doing. Because I would have just not said anything. I think she's playing both sides of the fence to see where thing, which way the wind is going to blow before okay, she I makes so up too. her mind. It's almost like Dave. I couldn't figure out Dave's role. Like Dave's got, he's got a three-sided. I, I don't understand either. I thought he was. I think he's mostly Jeremy because Jeremy's paying him, right? So I think he's mostly Jeremy, but he's kind of like playing all the sides. But I think and there Leslie- was Cliff and there were Jr. And then Jeremy's the one who's putting up the money, right? And Leslie's just seeing where shit's gonna fall. She's smart. Right. She she wants to know which way the wind blows before she yeah. d- before she pulls out her Mary mm-hmm. Poppins umbrella and floats in that direction. Right, because yeah. she's she's not gonna want to marry Jr. If like Jeremy's gonna ruin him, so yeah. right. She wants to. It's all about what's best for her career. And yeah, her she's starting to bug me a little now. So, More. and Dave Stratton, though he's under Jeremy's thing. 
he went to school with Cliff, so he's known Cliff longer. Yeah, yeah. But that that doesn't mean anything. It's always about where where the Benjamins are coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of which, uh, Luella buzzes Jr. and says that Dave Stratton <laughs> is there, and Leslie's leaving, and they meet, they meet in the lobby, and then <laughs> he sends uh, Dave into the office, and he chastises Luella for announcing his next appointment. Like you had anything from Leslie. <laughs> he just looks at her like, whatever, bitch. It's yeah, you're gonna have get, to go soon, Luella. Yeah, when's my favorite? Don't sleep call? with don't sleep with your people you work with because it's just gonna go south. This is what it's called. I was always told, don't shit where you eat. That means whoever you work with, don't fuck them. That all it does is cause drama. See. Yeah. Of course, I was not promiscuous, so I did not do that anyway. Now, D- Dave tells Jr. that Cliff has absolutely nothing. And then we cut to Cliff going over the documents. Right. Even though he literally just gave all the paperwork to Cliff, he's like, what He's like, what was? What would Cliff have? He's like, oh, I, he has nothing. Don't worry about it. Mm-mm. And he's playing everybody. He is. I love it. I love it. And I love how Cliff pulls him out there like this photocopy, like, those old timey like sales order receipts that you write on, like they're like they're not not even printouts, they're like handwritten like photocopy diner tickets. <laughs> and if you look closely, it says show prop one A, show prop one B, show prop one C. <laughs> and then so we cut to Cliff, and he's drinking and looking at all the papers that he has gotten from Dave Stratton and giggling and yeah, giggling to himself like oh yeah. Um, and then there's a knock at the door, and then it's Pam. He quickly puts the documents away in the briefcase. And the- oh, he hides them in that treasure chest. <laughs> <laughs> and she comes in, she doesn't look good. And she's just like, I am here because I really just need my brother right now. And he ain't got time for that. I was yeah. fucking mad. And, and, wait, she chased him out of the off out of her office the day before. Right. But now she needs him. Right. But but he did say that. He's and he brought her attention and she's like, and I'm sorry, but but if I saw my sister, if I saw my brother come in and you could clearly tell there was like a distressed look, I would at least be like, What's up? Then he's like, Well, I don't know how I can help you with that. And I'm like, Okay, you're a dick. Yeah, he was blowing her off and it wasn't cool, Cliff. I didn't like He just wanted her out so he could start back in his treasure chest. So, yeah, so then she gets mad at him. She tells him, like, she can't have a baby, and she's afraid to tell Bobby, and he's just like, yeah, I can't help you with that, which is cold. Why yeah. don't you go oh. cry to your mother? Right. And then, so then she just gets mad at him for, like, also for, well, she's mad at him for not being there for her, but she says she's mad right. at him for not dealing with their mom. She's their only blood relative. And then she leaves, and then he just is like. Tries to get back to focusing well, on his documents. Well, he gets straight to the treasure chest, but yeah. then he starts. He can't like, concentrate, and he's like, fine, I'll call her. So then he does. I'll call her so I can say I made an effort, and then it's. And then Bobby comes home again the next night to see her again, sitting in the dark in the room drinking. <laughs> and he's and- just like. Dude, what is wrong? There, there is. This shows a little growth from previous seasons because in the past she would 
keep this information from him longer. Longer. And she has already kept it from him too long, in my opinion. Like, this is, this affects him. She should have told him immediately. But um, she doesn't. She's keeping it to herself, which is hurting her. Right. And a, a year before, she, it would have dragged this out a few episodes. Oh, like half the season. And I yes. would be screaming at my TV. So th- this is a little bit of growth on her part that she actually... A little bit, yes. So then she's... Finally, like, okay, here's the deal. The my, my super suspect doctor's telling me. No, she doesn't say that. She believes it. She that I can't have kids. That I'll probably always miscarry in the third month. And um, that's the first trimester, right? Yeah, it's that's the end of the yeah. first trimester. Yeah. Just making sure everybody out there knows that. <laughs> I, this is where I'm just like, I need more details. Yes. Like, because it doesn't make any sense to me, this whole diagnosis. Um, But then Bobby gets really kind of, he gets not angry at her. He gets, I think, angry at the news because it's not what he wants to hear. Even though, like, I feel like she already thought she couldn't have kids not that long ago. So, I don't know. And he knew that. Two, Two steps forward, two steps back. It's just... Yeah, she just literally says because he's like he's trying to give more information and he's like, so like, why? Like, what's the thing? And she's just like, I don't know. It's just the way I am. I mean, there's something risky that could potentially be done. Well, don't you think we should give it a try? But she does not want another miscarriage. She doesn't think she could survive that. Right. Because that's it'd be it would be super hard It'd be super hard. But yeah, that's almost like three three strikes and my brain is out. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Lucy calls me. And um, they want her to stay another day to do a talk show. And she's just like, I just want to make sure that's cool with you, blah, blah, blah. And he just gets pissy and says, stay another week and slams down the phone. Bell. Mitch, you bitch. Your wife is working. She is being responsible. She is checking in with you, telling you this is what's happened. I want you to know, I, you know, she she's playing everything above board like she's supposed to. Right. She's trying to. She's doing everything she can to like de-escalate the situation with him and to make it okay. And he just makes it fucking hard every time. And he gets up and storms out and leaves the phone ringing. And it's interesting. The scene started with him sitting on the couch and the photo of Lucy next to the phone prominently displayed. And then it ends in the same spot. Right. Right. Ugh. Mitch, uh, I don't know. Okay. The next I, scene I, is the scene, guys. Cliff is dressed up in a nice suit. There's cake. He has There's- cake. Like from flowers. a bakery, yeah. There's flowers. There's the a dish of bowls of candy. Candy, and he looks there, really there, nervous. Is there cheese and crackers? Is that what I? Have? Something, yeah. It's like a whole little Something. spread. It's adorable. I love it. Charcuterie, maybe. A li- yeah, a little charcuterie. I said uh, cheese and crackers, and, he, and she's like, "Oh, you shouldn't have." Right, I shouldn't have. And then he's just like, "Well, I just," and he's so nervous, and it's kind of adorable. But it seems to be going really great. 
at the beginning. Yeah, they're they're having that little awkward get to know each other conversation. Like, I just want to give Cliff a really big hug. Like, as soon as this scene starts, I I don't know what it is. I just want to give him a huge hug because he's just so nervous and awkward. And um, and then they're both. Then she like they're just making small talk, and then she, she's finally like, "Well, it's almost like we're strangers." And then that just sets him off. Well, duh, Rebecca. That's like the bulls uh, charging at red. You left your kids. Yeah. And he, so he just says everything and I, he should have his say. This is where he's like, you abandoned me when I was five years old with a baby sister and a drunken father. Like, how could you do that? Like you left me. He lets it all out. Because you only gave a damn about yourself and that sort of, uh. And I don't like the way Rebecca handles this because she deserves that. Like she, she deserves mm-hmm. to hear all the pain she caused her kid. Like, sorry, you get to, if you want to reconcile, you got to hear it's, it. it Don't it's be a cathartic moment to that. empty your baggage. Because right. her kids suffered while she went on and made something of herself, married up. Yep. Think like, about Digger. Digger. Lived, yeah, lived this whole charmed life when her two surviving children were raised by their aunt, basically. And he's putting himself through law school and he's doing all these mm-hmm. things, overcoming. As you, As you say that about Rebecca and marrying Herbert and all this stuff. I'm sitting there thinking, how did, you know, Jock obviously, Jock and Elliot obviously must have met Rebecca when she was married to Digger. Mm-hmm. How did they not cross paths with someone like Herbert Wentworth in their past and not recognize Rebecca in any way, shape, or form? I'm guessing well, Rebecca think- kept track of that and just probably avoided the Ewings, would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the tool and die thing, of course, they may have had some dealings with Ewing, but Rebecca Wentworth, who the hell is going to question that? Like, right, no one's going to be thinking. No, no one's going to know it's Rebecca Barnes. And you know what? She probably... And Digger was always drunk, so he would know that. And probably transformed herself enough to where she'd be running around in different, like maybe in the same circles, but nobody would necessarily know who she was. Right. Because I doubt that they, if they met Rebecca when she was dating or married to Digger, that they really, they didn't hang out. She seemed, um, not to spoil her, she, they, she and Ellie seemed to know each other. Like when they see each other again and Rebecca comes in all at the end of next season, it seems like they knew each other long before. Which is why, which is why I throw this out there. Like, I think she just kept herself distant from like, if there was, she probably knew if the Ewings are going to be there, maybe I sit this one out or just sit in the background. Well, especially because she knew that Well, Digger and Ellie were like each other's first love fling. So, why the hell would she want to be associated with any of that? She probably kept her distance from Ellie Ewing, too. Right. Right. Like, they may have known each other, like, enough to be like, yo, what's up? You know, hey, how are you? But <laughs> not, like, good friends or anything. Right. No, no, no. They weren't hanging. They weren't having any girls' mm-hmm. night. No slumber parties. No. No, no day spot. So, so it's, totally, it's totally plausible that after a few years have gone by that she, Ellie could have totally forgotten who Rebecca Barnes was. And if they had come across each other again, she's being introduced as Rebecca Wentworth. And she's dressed Houston. much differently. She She's not going to do her, getting her hair done, wearing makeup, society wife. She's not even going to look the same. That's true. And so, yeah, I think Cliff has every right to... I mean, he should. He, to have a real relationship, real relationship, they 
have to get this out there. I mean, it's the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. And she just gets up and starts walking out. Like, what? No. I know. That's what I'm saying. She just did. She's just trying to walk you out. You stand there and you listen to it, lady. You take it. And then you give mm-hmm. him a huge hug. That's what you do. You say, I'm sorry. I messed up. And you give him a huge hug because he's your kid. Um, and so she starts walking out. And, like, I feel like he can't handle watching her walk out of his door again again and he does he just like grabs he grabs the ball of like oh my god i know and he and then he says oh you didn't even take any licorice and i remember <laughs> that you liked it and i have to say black licorice delicious I, I like i'm it. always the one that goes after the black jelly beans at easter yeah. um oh, yeah. and then i literally i this thing oh, got to me i got really teary-eyed watching it and it's so oh my god so good now let me let me just i think they talk about it in the book here let me just see what um my my thing is is like there's about three scenes in this whole entire series where cliff gets like upset or something and i feel really really bad for him this that, is one of them and that is what the writers do they don't have these characters as black and white like the ewings are the good guys and cliff is the bad guy trying to get at the ewings oh no it gets and back and forth they right like because you like times, right right and it's like what i'm noticing in today's television on netflix with cobra kai they <laughs> swing back and forth with all these characters and their different stories and you want to they're up, they're down, they're good, they're bad, they're back, they're forth, and it's not, it's not black and white. Yeah. Um, and I – this is one of the reasons I love Cliff, and I know that he's a divisive figure, but uh, I think a lot of the ways that people feel about JR, I feel about Cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he – I just always see little sensitive Cliff there, and he's always just, like, trying to prove himself and – just always being defeated, and I don't I just – I, I think that's exactly – Ken Kirchhoff had some thoughts on uh, in the book about this particular scene that he thought that the reconciliation scene was, he used the words, pathetically poignant. I mean, you want to talk about complex. He said there was a scene where he finally agreed to see his mother. He flows out, f- flies into a rage. She gets up to leave. Then he falls into her arms and starts to cry. He says that's a complex scene. And it's also his favorite scene from the, his 13 years on the show and it was Priscilla Pointer's as well because she said it was so emotionally fulfilled. And the viewers that they've met over the years still ask about – would still ask about the licorice scene. And it's funny that Cliff uh, – or Ken, rather, said that he would prepare for these scenes by listening to mood music on a cassette recorder with headphones. <laughs> and he – apparently suggested this once to Barbara Belgettis and it backfired because he suggested that she listen to a piano version of a song. And then she cursed at him complaining, thanks a whole lot. You just ruined my morning with that sad music when I was supposed to be lighthearted in the scene. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure Barbara used a few choice words too. I love it. (laughs) But yeah, that was very much a pivotal scene that everybody um, okay, so that scene goes into another scene where we just see legs, legs walking, and yes, indeed, I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm walking. Yes, indeed, I'm walking. and it's Kristen 
We haven't seen her in a while. She's back in town. Punch her out. And I have to say, for someone who just fucking gave birth, like... You're about this big. Mm-mm. She's looking pretty good. We'll see. And I like, she asks if there's a reservation. The camera's slowly starting to pan up. You see the back of the woman, and someone asks about the luggage. And then she turns around like she's supposed to mug for the camera at that point, revealing who she is. And then the next scene is Cliff barges into the Senate meeting with his stuff to call out Jr. basically. And Bobby's like, hold up. What? What's going on? <laughs> like, uh, we, we need to talk about this, like, in private, Cliff, in chambers. And Cliff's like, mm, nah, I'm going to bring it up right here on the floor. Yep. And they agree to hear what he has to say. And he hands out those those documents and the things out of his box, uh, one for everybody. And I like how, as he's handing it to Bobby, it's, he says, J.R. Ewing. <laughs> and he looks at Bobby. And Bobby's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> That's why you came to work for me, isn't it? <laughs> well, honestly, it's almost like he took the job to kind of, well, I mean, I know why he did it, but he's kind of, showing like a little bit of humanity because he's letting them know in order to get ahead of it. I mean, probably not the best presentation, but it's like, dude, this is about to happen. Your brother did some fucked up shit. This could be really bad. Right. And yeah. and he well, got, well, later on, we'll talk about why he did it, but Cliff isn't wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. His deliverance is terrible. <laughs> deliverance delivery. Yeah, it's it's god awful. It's yeah, it is. Read the room, I guess we could say. Granted, nobody was getting slapped here, but it is like Will Smith. You don't go up and slap the guy on stage. You address him privately backstage and say, "Hey, this was not cool." Blah blah blah. You approach it differently. Cliff needed to approach different a different approach. Yes. Yes. But between and, these scenes, uh, we're at the store when uh, Pam was working and with Jackie, and then Rebecca arrives. Autobahn Fabrics. I like the name. They're, they're going to stop taking orders until Autobahn makes good on a prior shipment. Sounds like there's some crap going down in the uh, shipment going department. down at the store. Um, and then Rebecca's just super happy. She's like, last night we, like, we – we we figured out we're like have a good relationship and blah 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 and then Pam is just like does he know you have money? <laughs> Which is, I feel is I don't know I don't feel like that's unfair to Cliff but whatever. I want to know what happens with Jackie's date with the storeroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then Rebecca's like, no, he doesn't know I have money. Like it's fine, and Pam's like, okay. So that happened last night. Now Cliff is down in Austin yeah. the next day. Cliff has had, I know, he's had a busy time. So he must have, like, zipped down there really fast. Okay, I made it with my mama. I'm going down to Austin. See you. Bye. He had that threesome and then went, too. I mean, it's a whole thing. He drove all night in that one, as the Cindy Lauper song said. Yeah. Um, so then we come back, and Bobby's so pissed at Cliff for that. I'm sure he considers it a stunt. 
he pretty much accuses him of that's why he took the job is to. And Clash is like, no, 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 no. I just saved you. And he's just like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, I'm the bad guy. It had to come out. Like if you, if this, if I would have come to you with this, you would have felt like you needed to bury it or not go forward through it. And then that could have been bad for you. You would have been a co-conspirator. Right, a co-conspirator. If people found out, like, this one would not have been good for you. And now it's out, and I'm the person who, it's so, like, I take the heat from your family. I'm the heavy, as he says. I'm the heavy, and I'm used to that. And that's true. All that's true. Like, he maybe could have done it a little bit better, but um, he's not wrong about it at all. No. Yeah. It's always, like, an opportunity to seek. Cliff is out for revenge or the bad person, but he's really right. He's trying to say he wants, yes, he wants to screw over Jr. He, he hates Jr. They would have hated each other if their last names were Smith and Jones. And I think he's starting to develop a rapport with Bobby and see that Bobby isn't really as bad as what he sees the Ewing family as. Cliff makes some terrible decisions based on his anger towards the Ewings, specifically JR. But I think for the most part, his heart is in the right place most of the time. Sometimes not, but most of the time I think it's in the right place. Just sometimes he makes awful decisions. Right. And that's my feelings with Cliff. Whereas JR does shit just to be a dick. I think Cliff generally tries not, like, he's trying to not do that. He just is sometimes a dick on accident. Right. And it's, I think it's. And that's the difference. I think it's sometimes the hatred of JR that blinds him to his. Oh, yeah, completely. And and makes him to not be the successful person he totally could be who could make a difference in politics or whatever it is. He lets JR get in his way. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's and if he would just focus on his own self and his own advancement and his own happiness, he would go a lot further. If he kept in life. his eyes on his own paper, yeah, he would be fine. But he can't. He can't do it. We'll see it for right. the rest of the series. Sorry for the spoiler. Hashtag spoiler. Back to the hotel. Kristen is on the phone with. We assume it's Jr. because she says uh, the baby looks like him and. She needs to meet with him, and he's busy, and they'll meet the day after tomorrow. Says the baby's in L.A. with someone, which is like, that baby, I mean, what is the time span? That baby was born like five seconds ago. <laughs> she she right. got her figure back very fast, too. She just comes kind of strutting <laughs> in. like I mean, You don't have to breastfeed. I'm not saying that because I didn't. I'm just saying, but you're going to leave your baby that's like two days old or like a week old. or Even if you don't breastfeed, your milk comes in either way. My, my mother didn't did. breastfeed me. She said, I like you as a friend. On my first one, my second one did, but it was too late. And I had huge boobs. I, my milk came, sorry, for a TMI, my milk came in even when I miscarried. Really? Ugh. Well, mine did the second time. Like, and what is happening it. to me? Oh, oh, oh. Yes. You're like, like, oh my God. Yeah. That's very So what, what, what happens? You don't, you, you can feel that it's in, or is it? They're like it's like you swell. Your boobs get no. really like big and hard 
And then, yeah, milk will literally. And if you don't get the milk out, they stay hard. They're like engorged. You can get it in a hot shower and they just shoot milk out. Yeah, this milk. <laughs> it's like it's like a gun. It's like it just like hits the wall. Like, bing, and it's, yeah. it's crazy. crazy. And so what is, what is the best thing to do to, to like. You have to pump. Do you want to pump? So if you pump, milk's going to keep coming. I did breastfeed, so I pumped. I fed both my kids for a year. But if you don't want it, you have to like bind yourself. Yeah. And it's like a way for them to like get bad and then get the Because if you don't, if you don't do it, then your milk will go away. But if you, if you pump it, then milk will just keep coming and you can. It's, like, it's like the cycle. It just keeps coming. It's, it's really okay. awful. It's crazy. Okay. Awful. So, uh, so Kristen, we're, yeah, we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about how Kristen obviously has not been breastfeeding that child. Cause she's literally in Dallas two days later. But literally she just had that baby. My point was that like, even if you don't breastfeed, whatever, your body, your choice. Um, her milk was maybe more she, maybe she left in. the baby with uh, Gary and Valine. <laughs> she did I feel them. like probably not a great relationship. Then. She's I'm sorry. She's like a terrible mother. She's, she just had well, that okay. Baby. In her defense, her baby was probably not old enough to fly. However, what the fuck are you doing? Leaving your newborn. I feel like she feels like she's providing for her baby, but girl, come on. What are you doing? Not the way I, to do it. Mm-mm. I think there's going to be more to this, and I think we're going to find out some information at some point that explains why she aban- uh, took off and left her child with somebody else. And uh. I have some thoughts on that when it comes up. She's trying. I think she's trying to tie up loose ends. Yes. She's crazy. And at this well, point, she we assume fucking crazy. And at this point, on that phone call, we assume she's arranging to meet Jr. in a couple days. Uh, no. <laughs> I thought I assumed that as well. So then we cut to Mitch, and he's hanging out and drinking with Jean, his his buddy from school. Yeah. They're hanging out and drinking in uh, Mitch and Lucy's apartment. And Mitch is basically like, I need someone just to like talk to. And she's like, cool, but can we just not talk about one marriage or Lucy tonight? We'll talk about dissections instead. Something more pleasant like dissections. And this is what it becomes clear to me, which I had not noticed previously, that she has a huge crush on Mitch. She does the way she looks at him because it cuts to her and she's just like, Mm, and she's giving him dreamy eyes. As only she could do. Miss Ellen Bry. Cut to Jr. and Sue Ellen's room. Sue Ellen's going out for the day. <laughs> well, motherhood, uh, you're, you're over your motherhood phase, are you now? Yeah, and then she's like, whatever. <laughs> Father of the year, shut up. <laughs> right, exactly, whatever. She says, on the contrary, I'm going out shopping for some new clothes for John Ross because he's outgrown them. New clothes and, and toys. And he's like not believing her. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, sure, okay, yeah." You're- he said new, and she. Said- Why don't we get you an apartment or a hotel room in there so you can just cut the bull crap and just have your men over there and just get right down to business? I know what a dick. And she said new wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Ding 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 ding. Who says a wardrobe <laughs> for a year old kid? Right. And then she's like, "You speak for yourself." And when she said, "Like that's a really simple comeback," but Jr. looks like, "Oh, like it took the wind out of his sails when she came back so quick." Yeah. He was just like, "Oh, oh, whoa." My place is here with my child. Right. Because you can tell he's testing the waters on, like, her just leaving. And she's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's not happening. And then she says uh, that John Ross, is, like, is the most important part of her life. Mm-hmm. And she leaves. 
Ring, 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 ring. Telephone. Hello. It's Miss Sally. What? Overseas. Dior, it's Mama. <laughs> Apparently, she and Jock have been. I the way uh, she gets on the phone. She's like, Jr. it's Mama. <laughs> Apparently, she and Jock have been uh, tearing up the town and not going to bed before 4 a.m. over there in Paris. My goodness. Yeah. So, uh, you know, good for them. Yeah. 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 Know. They're, they're, they're party animals. That's right. The geriatric party circuit now hitting Gay Paris. And then we cut to, so Lucy comes home. This is where hell breaks loose. Uh-oh. Right. So you feel like she probably came home because she's like, oh, God, he's mad at me. I'm just going to come home. Like, yeah, you know, like he's giving me so, like, I'm just going to go home. So she comes home to find him fucking hungover. She's trying to do the right thing. She's trying to do the right thing again because he's making such a stink. So she comes home. He's hungover on the couch. And then Jean walks out of their bedroom and Lucy's like, I'm sorry. What the fuck? Yeah, I would have, I would have, I would have done way more than she did. She's like, (laughs) and legitimately, nothing obviously happened because that we know of. She wasn't there to know that, right? And I don't, and she didn't even have that in her mind coming home. She trusts them that much, but when you walk into that, the hell no to the no to the no to the no. Mostly when he's been as uncool about everything. Yep. That he has. And and she's right. Like, he has all these, like, crazy rules that she's been trying to live by. Like, all these standards, all these, like, high, like, moral whatever. And then she comes home to find her husband hungover with another woman sleeping in their house. And she's just like, oh, no, no, no. I don't fucking think so. I'm done with this. Yep. Raul will be picking up my things. I'm going home to South Fork. And there, and there comes the Ewing. Right, and he did not see that part coming, I think. And he's slamming his hands on the couch as... And that's get up and you run after your wife. That's when you get up and say, you don't understand, let me explain, please don't leave. He just Don't you think if I was doing something with uh, her, we would have been in the same bed? I'm out here on the damn couch. And we're yeah, not in the same room. He would. That's not the way to go about that conversation. Yeah. No, I still want my husband to call. I don't want it to happen in the first place. But I would like him to call and say, hey, my friend from school or my friend from high school is here. Everybody left. She doesn't have a car. We are, you know, she's She was she's too drunk to drive home. So she yeah. doesn't Now we have Uber. But let's say she was from out of town. Let's just say. If you call me and tell me, I might be pissy, but I'm not going to, like, have, like, a panic attack. If I come home and you come out of my bedroom, I don't know if you just took a shower and put your clothes back on. Look fine, mm-hmm. but I don't know that. Ooh, I flip my fucking shit. <laughs> I would. I'm, I am the crazy. It is never a good thing to walk into a room and see somebody else with your boyfriend, husband, whatever. Mm-mm. Hell No. Especially Even if when there the was situation... nothing going on and they were in separate and, bedrooms. And you don't have context of what happened before. You just walk into something that looks really bad because I've done it. Yeah, and it's exactly. Like, okay, I'm just going to, we're going to break up. Goodbye. <laughs> you know? But, if you, but it's like you said, if you, it wouldn't have been, it still would have been bad to me, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been as bad as if they wouldn't have been having issues before she left. And if he hadn't been so preachy about everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. You know? 
nowadays with people sexual preferences being all over the place you probably can't even have someone of your own gender overnight because someone might come home oh are you uh popping it with someone of your own gender too are you playing both sides of the fence it's just like you know you never know well, you don't know obviously they are obviously have some trust issues in their marriage to begin with and obviously a lot of other issues so i mean it's just they have issues and there's not a lot of courtesy like on his part for anything and tissues yeah and I don't know. I think if you you're having like arguments with your spouse, and then you come in and you see somebody there that you don't recognize, and it's like, okay, so did you just like call this person the minute I left, and then like have them come over right. and like wind? You, okay, so basically they know all about me. I don't know about them. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, with what, with, it's like you you can talk to somebody else about our problems, but obviously not me. Yeah, with what's her name, Jean. It's like, I don't even care that you guys weren't kissing fucking whatever. It's like you were talking to somebody else about things you should be talking with me about, but you just want to argue with me. Right, because he doesn't talk with her. Nope. Yeah, which is part of the problem. Right, and then he goes on, well, you're never here, blah, 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 trying to turn it around on her. Shut up. (laughs) Mitch. Lee McCloskey, love you. Mitch, not so much. Mitch, don't be a bitch. (laughs) You're getting the bell, Mitch, you bitch. Oh, that's more than one one for him. Come on. Some, I'll give him more. Um, so Suellen was walking out of the store. I call yeah, this episode, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is the uh the Shepherd Sisters walking episode because we had Kristen walking in the hotel with that long shot, and this is the long shot of Suellen walking down the sidewalk. <laughs> I called this scene surprise, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Justice! Dusty, yeah, dusty. She does. She's walking. She's feeling good. She's got her packages. Do, 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 do. And then all of a sudden, a limo pulls up, and she—you can just see her be she, like, "What?" She's got all of his clothes and toys in one bag. That's amazing. She probably just had it sent home, sent to South Fork. Who the fuck does that? Yeah, Ra- Raul is picking them up along with Lucy's things. And then the limo opens, and it's dusty. And dun, dun, he has crutches, and he can walk now. How convenient that he shows up at this point in time. Very, very, very appropriate and convenient. Well, he was tailing her, like, when she didn't know that he was still alive. So, And I feel like he might do it to for protection and not just to, like, keep tabs on her like JR does. He does it for a different reason, to make sure she's safe. So he probably knew exactly where she was. Well, he had to know where she was because she was coming out of that store. So, mm-hmm. obviously. Obviously. He's basically like, I'm feeling better. And he wants her back. And Sue Ellen at one point says, I don't understand. So we have to drink. Drink. Oh, God. I don't understand. How is this, how is this so? The, doctor, the doctors thought everything was going well, but the surgery went well. But, you know, he didn't get motivated until... He decided that he was getting out of that chair for her. She was his motivation. He said he wanted her so bad. And then it's kind of creeping out a little. Cue that romantic background music. That's a pretty good compliment. I like I concentrated on my health for you. That's pretty good. So yeah, she's in. She's in. That's all that's all hot and heavy. Woohoo. Jumping in full force with that one. Let me cut he to the needs Senate. Her. He needs her. He needs yeah, her. He does need her. We cut, to, we cut to the Senate, and um, 
They tell Bobby that they feel comfortable that he did nothing wrong, like he didn't have a part in it, which is good for Bobby, but that the evidence is inconclusive. So for now, they're going to table the whole thing because they don't really have enough to like push forward with a prosecution with JR. Right. And then uh, Bobby, uh, Cliff thinks that Bobby put pressure on them for that to happen. And then Bobby's just literally like, I don't even want to talk to you right now. But, oh, yeah, I love his I love his line. That's that's your style, Cliff, not mine. Right. Which oof. Burn, Bobby, burn. Yeah. Disco Inferno uh, in no, the I heard that today. Big D. Or the big A, Austin. Yeah. The big D. <laughs> that's not bad. <laughs> um, big D. So then but we got to Bobby telling JR about the situation and um and letting him know like, hey, there's evidence out there that you did a bunch of shit, FYI. Well, what evidence is there? There can't be any evidence. Bobby, tell me what you got. Very specifically, tell me what it's very specific evidence. Can you yeah. give me the photocopies? Can you give me the Xerox copy of those? Tell me from memory give, what it says. <laughs> can you give me, can you let me see your files? <laughs> right. Bobby's just like, no, what the fuck? No, I can't, I can't do any of I can't let you see those files. I slammed them down at Cliff and walked out of the room. <laughs> no. <laughs> I am not doing any of that, JR. <laughs> I, I, I am serving the people that voted for me. Oh, don't give me that crap. Uh, um, then, so then, but he just looks at JR and he's just, because JR's like, well, obviously I'm innocent, but like, exactly what evidence do you have? And Bobby's like, mm, I don't believe you. You're totally lying to me. Yeah, he said, he said it. He was like, this could be the end of the empire, JR, if, if, this, if this is true. I mean, come on. Right. And JR says, don't worry. Literally nothing is going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Okay. All right, Jer. Well, if, if nothing were going to happen, then we wouldn't have the storyline. So something's going to happen. Then <laughs> we cut to Cliff celebrating with Afton about breaking JR. And we learned that the Loire Valley is in France. That's true. But Afton already knew that, guys. Duh. <laughs> Duh. Just After this fishing, she's fishing about how he's going to like get Jr. Or yeah, how he's going to get Jr. And Cliff says, "Well, when I got back off the plane from Austin, I had a press conference with reporters and writers and newspapers, and I used the two words. He says one word, so obviously it's a hyphenated word that they wanted to hear: cover up." Yeah. And then we cut to the newspaper with Leslie looking at the newspaper, which says cover up. Yeah, I think Leslie's thinking of joining Jeremy's side of the. Yeah. She see the damage is about to be done. Or is being- I'm, I'm getting off that sinking ship fast and I'm jumping on this other cruise. And then, so JR calls Hank um, and tells him he has to cover his tracks better. So he says this to Hank as he's calling him on his landline from his office. JR, what are you doing? Like, that's the stupidest thing you could, like, he's bad at this. JR, yeah. you've had He's pe- so bad. JR, you've had people bugged before. What makes you think somebody hasn't bugged your office? In later episodes, he gets, yeah, in later episodes, he gets McSween to come in and sweep his office. You know, like, he knows, he knows. They could, like, get his, the company's call records from the phone. I mean, back in the day from the phone company and find out that he was calling Hank Johnson the whole time. I mean, it's a record. 
it, all yeah. it takes is one subpoena. That's it. And you're toast. Uh, Hummus so toast. Stupid, so stupid. Oh no, baby, what is you doing? And now back to the non breastfeeding Kristen in her hotel. And who and comes over? Huh. Is it JR? Jordan. It's Jordan Lee. Jordan has left his wife, Sarah, at home with her, their child. And then she yeah. asks if he'd like to know about his son. And hmm. it's like, oh shit, you've been blackmailing him too. Kristen girl. The monthly checks are not enough now, so I need more. Yeah, she's going to need more because now she has to actually like feed a baby, diaper a baby, blah, blah, blah. And he just... Medical appointments, blah, blah, blah. Sits down or, and writes it, a check because he knows he's fucked. <laughs> didn't even ask for a title, just struck a check. I know, he just wrote one. He was just like, okay, whatever. And then we, he was like, We don't know how much was in that check. I assume okay. it was some... I assume it's... I mean, he has a small child at home. She's probably yeah. threatening to ruin his whole marriage, so he's just like, "What? Okay, whatever." There, I'm sure there were plenty of zeros on that check. Yeah, because he had on know you're not going to come back for another check this big, and I'm thinking, "Well, how much was there?" Like, she says, to- "Don't worry, I'm not greedy," or something like. Oh. Yeah, you are, you dumb bitch. And then he says, "You know, Kristen, you might want to best get out of Dallas before you you might run into Jr." Hmm. And Mary Crosby's Kristen says, I just might. I'm, I, I would count on it. Yeah. With her mischievous look in her eyes. And the curled up lip. And now we go like this and scene. <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and give this a 4.75 bourbons, mostly because of the clip scene like that mm-hmm. just puts it all up there i'm going to do that and some childhood abandonment trauma all right and i was going to give it a 4.75 as well yes and i like this episode a lot for a lot of reasons but i'm going to give it a bowl of licorice i think we're going 4.75 across the board here because these episodes, you get to the end of a season, you're ramping up the storylines or things are coming to a head. That cliff scene puts it over the top. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, one of the most famous scenes in the series. And um, I'm going with a box of those Talani donuts. Ooh. Glazed nope. jelly, hopefully. Glazed jelly. Donuts are a thing. Um, I'm going to give it 4.75 bourbons as well and another baby daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the first time we've all had the exact same? Ring that that bell for for good measure. It's a good bell this time. It's a good bell. This is a good bell. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. You should check out our Patreon if that's something that interests you. Um, it helps us to keep giving you this podcast. Uh, it, we have merch 
available on tpublic.com. That whole address is in your show notes. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also, we would like to donate to the memory of Jim Davis. We have picked the charity braintumor.org because Jim suffered from a brain tumor. And so we will, for every new like and five star review on Apple podcasts. We will, that we are getting between, um, the beginning of April and the last day of May of this year, 2022, we are going to be donating a dollar for every one of those. And for all you awesome people who donate, on our uh, Patreon, um, we're going to be giving 10% of the Patreon earnings for those months. So um, that is a really good way to help us. And also, I mean, we really do need those those likes and five-star reviews because those really do help us a lot. To, so other people, it helps us get out there. So then Apple Podcasts will show it to other people. Um, who might like us. Eventually, we want to be up for podcast awards. <laughs> that would be <laughs> lovely. That would be so much fun. Yeah. And mm-hmm. hey, if you want to donate in just on your own to either that charity or a different charity in Jim's name, just send us that information and we will totally give you a shout out on the podcast because you're going to deserve a shout out. Yes. Yes. And if you're in the Dallas area, head down. Make your reservations, visit the ranch, business as usual there right now, and behind the scenes, keep fighting the good fight. And next week is Ewing Gate, the season finale. It's going to be so Mary, Mary what, are you, what are you thinking for the season finale here? Anything interesting? Um, so I'm thinking we should do something kind of fun, something big. We're thinking about doing a Facebook Live event, which we have not done before. And so we're hoping to get people to come watch us and we can like – you can leave comments while we are talking and then we can like interact a little bit. And that would be super fun. So if that's something that sounds good to you, let us know. Stay tuned for details, I guess. Stay tuned for details. We'll put it out there when we get our shit together and figure it out. (laughs) Okay. Well, we will see you next time for the season finale. Bye. Bye, y'all. Y'all come back now, you hear? Licorice. (laughs) Mama. 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 Next on Dallas. What do you want? More. Get the hell out of Dallas while you still can. It's not over yet, JR. Why are you so determined to get JR? Ewing Oil will be stripped of its state charter. And the satisfaction of JR is knowing I helped put him away. Oh, I'm gonna get him, JR. One way or another. I'll kill you first. Well, you're gonna have to because I'm gonna get him! You're never gonna get him. You make me sick. Keep out of my way, Pamela, or I'll destroy you. I'll destroy anybody that tries to take my boy away from me.